Thank you for tuning in. This is going to be the third episode of the Redacted Podcast. So we've had two already, and hopefully you've enjoyed them, and you've stuck with me this long, so I thank you for that. This episode and this guest that we have on today, we did the interview, and we we almost didn't publish it. And I was thinking and watching it back and after talking with her, and I'm like, well, is it is it that sensational enough? Is it that deep, dark of a secret um, to be worth putting out there? And then after thinking about it and listening to it again, I decided that it was. And this is a story of someone who had been abused by her parents, for lack of a better term, but it's an unconventional abuse, what you'd almost call a common abuse. And it's something that, as you listen to the story, you could think to yourself, some elements sound like good parenting, maybe even. And some people might think they're doing the right thing. But as they say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And there's a lot of parents and there's a lot of kids out there. And if you listen to this and you learn something from it and it can help you in some way, that's why we put it out. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Okay, thanks for tuning into the Redacted Podcast. Uh, we have our guest here who's been so gracious to come and speak with us today uh, under the guise of being anonymous. Uh, in the back there, we got Pamela, our producer. She's been sworn to secrecy. She won't reveal who you are. Uh, your voice has been changed a little bit, uh, so we can't tell exactly. Uh, so thanks for coming out. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, it's a... You had a hell of a story, and it it kind of caught my interest, and we can just kind of, we can go back and talk about the beginning of it, but it caught my interest so much because I think the first thing you said to me was, um, you know, with maybe wealthy kids or accomplished kids or something like that, which is kind of how you grew up, uh, that not everything is what it seems. Yeah, growing up and looking back, um, from this day and explaining to people that I know now about yeah. my upbringing, they're very confused if yeah. I don't have like a four-hour sit-down with them because they say, but all these great things happened. Why were you so depressed? Or why did you jump around so much? And without the full story, I think it's hard to understand and know the details for why all those things were happening at that time. Yeah, yeah. And that's... um. I think that's just something we can maybe help build some understanding by walking through the story and kind of uh, telling what happened. So from the beginning, you were you were adopted from China, right? Yes, I was adopted from China when I was six months old. So I don't know much about my Chinese heritage, um, who oh. adopted me or the agency I was from or anything relating to China because I flew over from China to New York when I was six months old. So wow. I didn't have any 
understanding of China. So yeah. that's why when people ask, I'm like, I really have no idea. And then growing up, my adoptive parents, who are American, uh, German, Irish, Italian, wow. who are from New York, they yeah. did not inform me about anything about my Chinese life. So did they get information on? They may have gotten information. They would not like to talk to me about it. Okay. When I was elementary school, I asked a couple questions, nothing too serious, but basically the end answer was, you're our child, you're American, period. Okay. And I mean, to all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. you were, but you know, you have to be a little curious about it. Now, did you say you figured out the city? Yes. In China? Okay. I know the city, but anything beyond that, I have no idea of. What city was it? Nanjing. Nanjing. Where's yeah. that at? It is the middle east of China. So it's, it's one of the big cities. Okay. Yeah. One day I'll go back. <laughs> okay. Do you know a lot about that area or the culture, the people? I do stuff? not. I've done some YouTube documentaries and some Googling, okay. but I don't have any firsthand information or experiences with it. Okay. And you were born sometime, and we don't have to say specific, but mm-hmm. sometime in the mid to late 90s. Yes. During that period. Mm-hmm. And China still had uh, one child implemented. Yeah, so that could be one of the reasons why I was adopted out. There's obviously could be dozen different assumptions of why I was given to an agency or left on the street because we don't know. Yeah. So lots of things are up in the air about that. But it seems maybe. Yeah, that would be a strong contender. Likely Mm -hmm. as to why. And that's uh, that's kind of messed up. It's messed up in a way. And obviously you're here and, um, you know, happy now and, and. we don't have to debate which place is better to live, but it's messed up. And there's a lot of kids um, that ended up um, having to be adopted, mm-hmm. going somewhere else. A lot of bad stories from one child. Yeah, definitely from that. So it like, I, I heard someone say like, it kind of wiped out a generation in China, a generation or two. And we're, we're like, you didn't have the same amount of peers. Um and they ended up going a lot of different places and, you know, just a lot of bad atrocities with that. So you came over to a, um, it was a pretty wealthy family, right? Yeah, both okay. mom and dad's side, they came from good, stable households. And okay. then my dad had his own businesses throughout his life. He did law, district attorney things in Manhattan oh, for... Wow. I don't know how many years, probably like between five and 10, realized he didn't like it, then went into the business world and was very successful there. So yeah, I grew up on Long Island for ages six months until about five years old and then did some half summers and winters between Florida and New York. A lot of New Yorkers come down to Florida. Yes, I found that's a trend. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, So then at some point you moved permanently down to Florida. Yeah. For most of my life from ages, I guess, six up until 18, I was in Florida. Okay. So you're with a a wealthy family Mm -hmm. in Florida. Yes. Which is like, I mean, people listening out there, that's like, wow, a wealthy family and to grow up in Florida. That sounds great already. That's a dream. (laughs) And I mean, there's great things about it, but Mm -hmm. your experience with it was, I guess, a little different than maybe what people would know. And 
kind of walk me through when when things started happening? Yeah, my life in New York since I was very little, I don't remember much about. So I guess my first real memory started when I was in Florida okay. in like the kindergarten age range. And very naive, young when I was little Yeah, in that range, just, you know, play with my sister at home, just very everyday things. But then around like, let me, let me stop you there. So you mm-hmm. had a sister. Yes. Also adopted from China. Not related to me. She was from a different city. And what's the age difference there? Three and a half years. And she's younger. So she's three and a half years Mm -hmm. younger than you. So your first memories, just to back up, so you're like kindergarten age and you're playing with your two, three-year-old sisters. Yeah, just like the Barbie, the everyday things when you're at that age. Okay, okay. And then um, what were the first kind of, things your parents had you involved in or when did looking back at it now when did things get a little strange early elementary school they wanted me to be obviously as successful as I could be so I every parent that's not yeah yeah. (laughs) enrolled in a public a private school for my kindergarten and half a first grade and that led to a string of many different schools I was jumping around from kindergarten up until I was 18 years old mm-hmm. and well kind of like at the beginning I mean mm-hmm. little so people can see so you're jumping schools already yeah already from the first year yeah first year and a half um in first grade I was pulled out about halfway through I was too young to know the details for this one and the reasoning why I was pulled out okay but I just was like it didn't really bother me at this time because I was still too young yeah. So I was doing school, but also started getting more involved in activities. And when I was like four, extracurricular activities yeah. and such. Okay. And things like ice skating, choir, piano, violin, gymnastics. There were a lot of different extracurricular out of school things that I had to do. You say had to do. Yes. Okay. Not all of them were by choice. And I think I was a, kind of a stubborn kid where I. Didn't really want to do them, but I didn't really have a choice, so I did them anyways. Okay. Yeah, when I was in the early elementary stages, I would say ice skating, gymnastics, violin, choir were the ones that stood out. There were some other little things like swimming, but that didn't last too long. Um, Because I did ice skating, and I did like a couple competitions a handful, like between five and ten, I don't remember exactly, but I still have to like go to the rink, practice, yeah. and I mean ice skating mm-hmm. and gymnastics. Just mm-hmm. from my own experience, that's intense. Yeah, it was definitely tough on like the body. The practice, yeah, regiment. and I was still, you know, little growing, and now if we're just kind of sticking in five to ten years old, that mm-hmm. that grade school period, like. You're signed up for all these activities, yes. all these different sports. Mm-hmm. Which ones did you want to play? I did not like ice skating. I didn't like it. felt I was too flimsy, not graceful for it, but I just did it anyways. There was one girl who I was semi-friend with. She was actually going to like compete in the Olympics. She was in the big training program. Yeah. And gymnastics was okay. I really enjoyed the you beam, but the other that. part of it... Not so much, but it was more like I just wanted to do it because I liked going on the beam and having fun rather than yeah. going to compete in it. 
Okay. I remember I did an art class for a little you, bit. You just wanted to play. Yeah, I That's wanted to like, have fun. <laughs> you're just trying to play. Yeah. And maybe you weren't interested in the uh, having aptitude or being good or winning competitions, but yeah, you're just trying to play at that point. Yeah, so. I wanted to have a hobby, meet people who wanted to do the same activity with me, but I felt like my parents more were pushing me for a competition life rather than the hobby pastime for whatever activity I was going in for. Just having fun with it. Yeah. yeah. You, you weren't you weren't in it for that. Mm-hmm. I kind of, um, I have girls that are that age and, you know, they do stuff I, and I kind of tell them, if you don't want to do it mm-hmm. anymore, we won't sign you up again or we won't keep you going in classes. But if it's something you want to keep doing, mm-hmm. by all means, do it. If it's not fun, you know. It, no, I think it's good, like, trying different things. But if yeah. it doesn't work out, you move on. Try something else. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, how many hours of practice were you? Maybe between all of these activities, it, that was I can, every evening pretty was, much? I want to say at least five times a week. I get off from school, say, 3 p.m., then from... Three to nine or so, three to eight, I would be doing gymnastics, violin. Every night would be something that was going on. That's insane. And especially when you're only six years old, it was very draining. Well, that's like you go to school at eight and Mm -hmm. you don't get done till nine. That's a 13-hour day Mm -hmm. for a six-year-old or a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old. And that's kind of... And doing things that maybe you don't have that much of an interest in. Like, that that sounds kind of awful. Yeah, it was felt more forced and enjoyable after doing the activity for whether it was months or weeks, whenever yeah. I got sick of it finally. Because at yeah. first it was cool and new, but then after having to do lessons and be more serious about it, I just didn't want it. Yeah. And then the other thing was... When we moved to Florida, we were on a farm with horses, cats, dogs, 14 acres. So I was that also horseback wonderful riding. too. Yeah, there's pros and cons yeah. to the life, but yeah. horses were also a big part of my growing up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you, were you interested in that or was that something that was kind of presented to you like, you're going to be interested in horses? Well, my mom rode when she was growing up and in college, and okay. from New York to Florida, we had two horses. They were older. Okay. But just like how I was doing all the other different activities, horses back riding was one of the millions of things that I was also doing at the time. Hmm. Yes. So um, you have all these activities going on, mm-hmm. and then, so tell me about your schools. You switch schools a lot, even... Early on, that started something that continued, but just how many schools did you go to elementary for? I can't name off the top of my head the exact without going school by school, but I want to say it was 10 to 12 different schools from kindergarten to I was 18 years old. And if we're just going to be focusing on the school topic right now, there are different reasons why I was in and out of schools. Okay. Um, I think I stayed at a school for average of seven eight months okay um yeah like i said kindergarten to first grade that was only a year and a half 
Second grade. So you're I not won. even finishing years at some of no, these No. Well, second grade, I did a full year. It was this very hippie school. Okay. Um, but I can say I've done private, public, Montessori, charter, homeschool, dual enrollment. Uh, pretty much anything except for a boarding school, I have had some taste of. Wow. Yeah. And some of the reasons I don't know when I was in elementary school why I was changing so much. Yeah. But... As I got into middle school and high school, when things were getting a little tougher, um, I started to understand the reasonings why. Um, when I was in sixth grade, I went to two different schools. School number one for the first half, sixth grade. School number two for the second half. That's crazy. And the reason for the change in the middle of that one was because we were in PE and we were all kind of just running. And by accident, the girl in front of me extended her leg out too much. I extended mine. We kind of got tango tripped. Nothing bad. It just happened. Like a kid accident. That yeah. sounds like a really normal. Yeah, we both tripped on each other, whatever. But yeah. when I went home, like I was obviously had some knee issues. Like it was yeah. a little bloody. And my mom got like super furious at the teacher, the PE teacher, and then the principal. The next day she went into the principal and started like screaming. Jeez. Um, we were, I was out in like the waiting room outside of the principal's office and she was like yelling and then all I knew 10 minutes later she walked out and said we're leaving you're not never coming back here so that's why I went in for another one and then I remember in ninth grade that's huh what was she saying do you remember why why it's just why would you let my this happen to my kid why didn't she get sent to the nurse's office why would you let her come home why didn't you call me and I guess the PE teacher didn't think it was a big enough issue to call uh, someone. I mean, the kid trips like that probably happens a hundred times a day. My kids trip. Yeah. Probably a hundred times a day. Yeah. And she, when we were at PE and after our trip, they gave me a band aid, some Neosporin, whatever you'll get better. Yeah. It's not, it was no big issue. It was just like a basic little kid injury. Yeah. Some cuts yeah. on your leg. You'll be fine. But my mom really hyped it up to be this big, like, oh, my God, she lost her leg or something. So she was pretty overzealous. uh, Yeah, she's definitely a very protective parent and would throw things out of proportion very often. And then they say now helicopter parent would that she was definitely more than a helicopter parent. more than a hel- like a super helicopter, yes. like a fighter mm-hmm. jet parent. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So you're switching schools a ton. Mm-hmm. How was I mean, at grade school, I know you, that's when you're making friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not have any friends. There was only one girl who I was friendless. I met her in the third or fourth, third grade. Okay. And the only reason why we remained friends was because she rode at the same barn that I did. We took lessons together and she liked horses. So that kept us together. But yeah, So friend, you had a consistent thing. Your yeah, schools she was weren't the, consistent. But yeah. The, I mean, I never really got to hang out with her much because I would see her at school. I got taken out of that school. I'd see her at the barn for the lesson. But even the barn for the lesson was not go hang out, play around. It was you're here for your lesson. So you got to be serious and participating and yeah. improving on your skill. Yeah. But our friendship got cut short in the, I think we probably stopped talking around seventh grade. Okay. So that was only like a three or four year friendship. Wow. Which and that was, at that point was a lot to me. And this whole time you live in the same, I think. Yes. From you're living home. physically. Yeah, from ages same, like 5 to 18, I'm in the same physical house address. It's not like I'm moving anywhere. 
but you just keep jumping schools. And that's, Mm -hmm. I mean, I talk to friends now that like, you know, friends, people I know, and they won't move because they don't want their kids to lose their friends. Mm -hmm. That's like a driving factor a lot of times in like, oh, we can't move until they graduate high school or, you know, we don't want to move during this time because that's tough. And this is like the opposite. This is like, Mm -hmm. I mean, to say, how many schools did you say you went to? A dozen. And that's not even exaggerating. It was literally a dozen. In 12 years of school, Mm -hmm. you went to a dozen schools. Yeah. And it was like that one reason with the whole falling on the ground. It's not even a big deal. It happened. But then in the ninth grade, I was depressed at the time. I didn't want to do the work. And then for math class, I came home with a C. And they were used to me getting like A's just because up yeah. until then, it's kind of baloney sandwich work. It's not actual big schooling <laughs> as much. Baloney sandwich yeah. work. I like that. So I come home with a C because now I don't have a math foundation because I've been jumping around so much. I don't know the long division. I don't know how the algebra. Every school's a little different and at different spots. I was just getting thrown in, taken out. So my STEM base is terrible. I have no foundation in that. So So this actually hurt your education. And I think maybe it, it seems like your mom's intention was to give you the best. Mm -hmm. She was trying to make it almost perfect. Yeah. And if a school wasn't perfect or if you weren't performing as she thought you should perform. Mm -hmm. Something that the school is doing must be wrong. It couldn't be anything else is what I think, what was going on in her mind. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I come home with a C and she goes in and yells at the teacher for not teaching well. And I do say, and like I admit, like I was lazy. Yeah. I was a kid. I didn't want to do the math homework. I didn't feel like studying. I didn't want to ask for help. Yeah. So very natural, you know, I'm not doing that well. And she's like, well, you're never going to get into a good college with that on your port. So time to move schools again. So it was different scenarios like that. Or another time was I was homeschooling now because I was in and out of homeschooling. So every transition between a public, private, okay. charter, Montessori school, it's just homeschool for a little so bit. intermittently. Yeah. Through but the thing grade is, school, middle school, high school, you're mm-hmm. homeschooling for periods of time. Yeah, and during this homeschool time, I didn't really learn anything educational-wise in the books for my school. It was more yeah. of just go back to sports and activities type of thing. Okay. Yeah, but if she saw, like, a school get ranked number one in the county for that year, she's like, we got to enroll her in this. This will be good. so good for her education. Okay. Which is, in the end, not because I'm getting switched around so much. But Well, there's a lot of things mm-hmm. that I kind of see that are really bad about this so far. And, you know, it sounds like on the surface, oh, she's wanting the best for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, all of this, 12 different schools, middle of the year, homeschooling, not making friends, not being able to follow along with coursework, it seems like the worst thing for you. It's like a recipe to mess up your education. Yeah, it made me very unstable in terms of friendships, knowing how to talk to people. And by the time I was like 14 or 13, I was very quiet, very shy. And I had a lot of 
issues communicating with people because I didn't have the practice that I should have been yeah. because at school, although he's a new kid and no one wants to talk to the new kid that much. It's like a professional new kid. Yeah. Jeez. So that was a big thing to overcome later in life. I mean, that had to just be super awkward. Like a, if a kid goes through one or two school changes mm-hmm. in their life, in their 12 years, I mean, that's pretty big. I, I talk to adults that are like, man, I moved school once in middle school and that screwed me up so bad. And that was the worst year of my life mm-hmm. at that point. And here you are just. No, it was in and incredible. out every time. That's and, but it did lead to depression. Oh, and for I, me, I can imagine. just not being able to talk to people. So I remember for one part of my life when I was probably like, it started when I was around 10 or 11, got worse from like yeah. 14 to 17. But if I don't really talk to anyone, if I'm more neutral, yeah. that's the easiest way to avoid conflict, not to get yelled at. Because I was also afraid of getting yelled at from my mom for not yeah. doing well enough, whether with a sport, a music, or grades. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, if I look too sad, she's going to yell at me and tell me why I'm not appreciating what she's giving me enough. But if I look too happy, she's going to start taking things away. So if I remain neutral, that's the best case scenario. So I can exist in life without having to deal with conflict. Well, and it it already seems right off the bat that your mother was kind of a huge source and maybe more so than your dad was, Mm -hmm. was kind of the, you're trying to please her or just get her off your back. One of the two. It was a combination of both. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, she was the main driving factor growing up of, I would say, a big source of my problems, which were depression, being antisocial at the time, not feeling good enough. And it was because she wanted everything to be perfect in her way. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone because... There was no one else to talk to because I didn't have a consistent, like, being around anyone else. No, you weren't allowed to basically Mm -hmm. foster any kind of friendships or relationships. And going back to the girl that I knew from the third grade to the seventh grade, the one who I rode with, Mm -hmm. um, I had one sleepover in my life, and it was with her probably around the fifth grade. And that one took, like, a lot of convincing to be allowed to go to her house. Yeah. She came from a very good family, very nice people. Yeah. Um, that was like my first and last sleepover of my kid life because I went there. I had a great time. We rode bikes around the neighborhood. We made popcorn. We went swimming. I had a blast for that, that sounds 24 awesome. hours. Yeah. And that was something I wouldn't be able to do because I was always under supervision. Like going to the grocery, I wasn't allowed to not touch the cart when I was little. And I had to like always be there. Like I couldn't go to the other aisle to get cereal. So like having... A friend could go biking around the neighborhood was like the dream. Then I, the next day I get home and my mom was like, so what'd you guys do? How is it? So I told her what we did and she's like, that's so dangerous. How did her mother let you go swimming, go on a bike ride, not be in the kitchen while you're, they were cooking? What if you burned down? What if you got burned down the house or like got hurt or something? And I was like, huh? You're in fifth grade at this point? Yeah. And you're just riding your bike out in their neighborhood. Yeah. And I was I was like, what do you mean? I'm like, we were fine. We had a really good time. And she's like, nope, no more. You can't hang out with her. No more sleepover. This is bad. 
So I'm like, Jeez. oh, I should never have told her that. I just kind of shot myself in the face for like any kind of future hanging out with people. Yeah. And then our friendship in the seventh grade ended not by me and the girl not liking each other. It was because my mom thought that her mom was just too dangerous. So no more communicating. Because I didn't have a phone back then. So we were literally pen pals. And it was like really cute. We yeah. would write little yeah. notes to each other, mail them, get them back. And we did that for like two years when we were not riding. But then she, she's like, yeah, no more. So then. Because she thought. I mean, did she I ever expound She was also them? very against any kind of alcohol or anything. Yeah. And when I was older in life, she's like, I want you to sign a thing where you're like, never drink alcohol, never get drunk, never have sex before marriage. So she saw her mom having a glass of wine. And she's like, how could she do that? There's children here. It's not like she was drunk. She had one you glass of wine. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Was she, was this religious or was this? So, up until I was 13, 14, I didn't do anything religious at all. The closest thing I got to a religious practice was in choir. We would sing in the church on Sundays sometimes. Yeah. But that was more for choir than for religion. And then I think the big switch was when I was at that 13, 14, however old around that young teenager yeah. age. Um, my mom and dad had someone die, one of their friends. They went to a funeral okay. at this big church. And then from then on out, they're like, Christianity is everything. Now, they both grew up Catholic in classic school. Okay. But now they're like full. Well, she was more like Christian. But, but you didn't have like a, I guess you didn't have a super religious upbringing. No, I don't think it was religious at all. Having you sign something like that. Yeah, and that's when I, I think I was 16 and or 17 when she said that. Like, judging another mother mm -hmm. for having a glass of wine, mm -hmm. not not being drunk. She wasn't. Yeah. It, it was, wasn't like she was drunk. She just had a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. If 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 you were religious, I guess maybe it would make more sense if it was some kind of a strict religion, but it almost makes it a little more batshit crazy. Yeah. That it was just. Well, she was just very paranoid all the time. Yeah, so like I'm off like, of one glass of wine will. Judgment or paranoia or just like, mm -hmm. man, that's that's kind of nuts. But then after that funeral they went to, then it was like, oh, now we got to go to church. And if yeah. you wear something, I remember one day I, like, I had just a regular t-shirt on, not revealing at all. Okay. But you could see my nipples because I didn't wear a bra. Okay. She's like, oh, this is very bad. You need to be more conservative with your dressing. I'm like, this is literally a t-shirt, like. Was it in your house or was it? I don't remember exactly where I was. I just remember getting yelled at for it. Jeez. But it was probably like I didn't go anywhere at the time. So maybe I went out to like the mailbox or something like. Yeah. Yeah. So from that point on, she got more religious. But then she implemented practices like you're going to go to hell if you do this. Or the Bible says something against this. Yeah. So you shouldn't do it. And you should always honor your mother and father. Like, that one kept coming back. And I was very fed up with that statement. And I'm yeah. like, I don't care. And that made me unreligious at the time. And I'm, I'm currently unreligious because yeah. I don't believe in it. Well, and I don't think it was, it didn't seem like it was from, I don't think religion was the problem. I think mm -hmm. it was, it sounds like everything else your mom did. Yes. And then she's using that as kind of a hammer 
mm-hmm. to reinforce why she does this or why you should accept it. So between everything, um, extracurricular activities and switching schools and kind of almost keeping you from developing any friendships. Um, what else? I mean, what are some, was she, was she really hard on you? Was she pushing you? hard. Okay. All right. So to go back now, I guess, into more of a sports extracurricular term. Okay. For elementary school, I did those 10 different sports music type things. Something that really stood out, and I don't know why this one was more than the other extra extracurricular things, but with the violin. For some reason, she was 10 times harder on that. I don't know if it's because she wanted to do the violin, but she never had the opportunity to. But I have very bad memories about the violin to this day. I would go to my lessons. What age did you start violin? Four-ish. Up until 10-ish. So you did it for six years. Yes, and I and, did. The, and you had, did you like it at all? Did you have any interest um, in it? or The beginning was kind of the same as I'm just doing it to do it, yeah. which turned into a hatred because of the way I was treated when I had to play. Okay. So I had to do lessons two to three times a week. Okay. And then I also was in the symphony. Okay. And that was seasonal but once a week on the weekends for like two hours in the morning i saw they were terrible because she would yell at me and obviously i'm young so lots of mistakes happen you play a wrong note you something's out of tune whatever you know you're young and you're learning it's not going to be perfect off the bat but i play one wrong note and she goes crazy like bad shit crazy start screaming at the top of her lungs like why didn't you do this right let's try it again i do it again it's not perfect we just did this again. Why can't you get what you do? And like practice takes time. This, and that's is how you this do at it. home or is this? This is at home. She would go completely nuts over. So were a your lessons thing. two, three times a week? That was all at home. So the lessons we had to go to the teacher's place. Okay. And I think I had two different teachers at that time, and the practices had to be at home every day for forty-five minutes to an hour. And it okay. was horrible. It was probably the worst thing. And this is why, like, when I listen to the violin, sometimes I've had to tell friends to turn it off because yeah. all I could hear is her voice yelling. Jeez. Um, at uh, like, some what point, is she? Um, why aren't you getting it? You need to do better. And it was just things of me playing the wrong note, not because I was doing it on purpose. It just happened. Um, and then when the yelling wasn't good enough, she would like jam the violin into my neck and it made me red and it's very bad. She was just kind of like the, the demeanor of it is yeah. probably what is hard for you to struggle with is mm-hmm. because it, it sounds like she was just trying to make you feel like garbage and then mm-hmm. putting some physical so she's jamming it, so you're holding it, and she's like... Yeah, because there are some instances where, like, I put it on the couch because I'm like, I don't want to do it anymore, that kind of thing. Yeah. But then she would pick it up and jam it in and say, you're doing it now. Jeez. Yeah. That's horrible. 
I mean, just to think of like a little kid and it's, mm -hmm. you can tell how much it, it still affects you too. It's like uh, PTSD over that. That's tough. Yeah. So like out of all the sports music thing, that one's definitely the worst. Yeah. And this is something that, I mean, you really didn't even want to do. Mm -hmm. This was all for her. Yeah. And like right now, my assumption for it was she wanted to do it when she was a kid or growing up, but she yeah. didn't have the opportunity. So she's now making me do it. So she's like living her dreams through me, which is something I didn't want to do, like the violin. So there was a lot of pressure. But if anything, I associate the violin with force. Jeez. And I think that's... um. It's something very important for people to hear because a lot of parents um, end up putting some of those unrealized dreams onto their kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to see you here 15, 20 years later, and it still tears you up. It still emotionally affected you in such a strong way that, I mean, it's, it's just don't do this to your kids guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's really horrible. I mean, these kind of things that we try to get our kids to do should be something that they enjoy, mm -hmm. uh, something that's fun for them and, you know, teaches them about something, you know, you'd almost hope it would be a skill you can have your whole life. Like, like my, my kids are learning piano a little bit. And it's like one of those things I wished I learned so I could have it my whole life and see a piano and sit down and play it or something. Um, but you won't even look at a violin, you know, mm -hmm. you, you don't want to hear it. That's, that's, that's intense. Yeah. That's and really intense. it was that not having anyone to confine in that I felt safe to talk to. So I just would endure the pain at home, like mentally, physically. And I was able to get out of it. When I was like 10 or 11, I don't know how. I think it was just always a battle between me and her. And my dad was, he, my dad was very passive for the most part. And in a bit cowardly because he would not stand up to her. Because like, even though they're married, they can disagree on things. But it's like a very controlling. What he was like, he even told me when I was older, I don't want to disagree with your mother because she's going to start screaming and it's going to make a whole ruckus. And I want to avoid that. Yeah. So with him, I would talk to him more than her, but I couldn't go fully in depth because I'm like, there's nothing going to be done about it. It's just going to keep happening. Yeah. So he did say like we could try different things. So after I would say late middle school to high school, that's when I started getting focused. Yeah. And I did horseback riding and auto racing. Okay. And those became my two main things, and then everything else dropped off. But even with those two things, like, horses, like, I do love to this day. I have really good experience with them because, yeah. you know, living on 14 acres. It was a sport, but also I would go to the barn with an instructor to practice three times a week. But then I would ride at home, and just not being in the house, being, like, with an animal helped a lot. That was probably, yeah. like, a safe place for you to be. Yes. Yeah. So I competed in horseback riding. Like I did shows when I was little, but then middle school, 
late middle school to middle of high school. I was competing every two weeks, I would say. Okay. Big horse shows, doing really well, nationals. Everyone was like, wow, so much good stuff. And that's when I think people on the outside who met me, whether they were adults or kids, they were like, you're just a rich kid that gets everything. Yeah. And I... I didn't feel that way because everyone who's in those two sports are both also like financially well off. Yeah, those but aren't then, those aren't inexpensive by any stretch. Mm-hmm. So no. I did horse jumping for a very long time, and I would ride a lot. I would go and get up at five a.m. if I had school at nine a.m. Okay. I would do all the horse chores, uh, mucking the barn, sweeping, water, hay, grooming. Come home ride two to three horses because at that time now we have six horses four rideable okay so then i'm riding three horses a day at home okay and then lessened i'll do probably two horses okay or i was just riding probably i would say average three horses a day sometimes four or five wow but lots and lots of horseback riding now were you being pushed to do this or was this something this was something that i did like okay but it was more than i wanted um I didn't like how she, because riding with a hobby mind, she turned it into more of a trophy child type situation of, look uh, at my kid in her pony. Like, my pony got number two in Florida within the newspaper. And that's oh, wow. all she's like gloating about. Yeah. And so I felt more it was for recognition. Did, did I'm like, did you feel proud of that? I was very proud of it, but I'm yeah. like, I mainly want to do it just because I like the pony. Even if we don't show, I'll just ride in the backyard. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and there's like this fine line between trying to engage your kids and do mm-hmm. activities and competition to where it's for them. Mm-hmm. And then it, it seems like she's got a lot of these pushes and, and you said trophy child. Mm-hmm. Like your kid does something good. You know, we get a little hit of dopamine up here, you know, like, oh, they get an accolade, a little hit of dopamine. Somebody says, oh, my God, she's so wonderful. Little hit of dopamine, grades. Kind of the same thing. But, you know, you have to keep from becoming, maybe she's, I don't know, addicted to that. Mm-hmm. That's she's, something she's chasing, and you are the... I think she's chasing the approval of others. Yeah. And then she, she gets the approval of others after success from her children. Yeah. So then if the children are not successful, she's not getting the approval. So now she needs to push the kids more. And she's not getting that dopamine, that mm-hmm. that good feeling. Because she seems like she was just an unhappy person. Yes. She I don't sounds know how very unhappy with from, herself. But very insecure, like wouldn't let someone take a picture of her. We didn't have a single picture of four people out of the family in the house. Wait, you didn't have one picture? We had pictures of me and my sister. Okay. And it was just But of like, like your whole no, you, not you had the a family four of, of four. There's no holiday photos around the house. Does a picture exist? I don't somewhere? think a picture of the four of us together exists ever. Unless wow. it was one that she didn't know was taken. Like growing up I maybe saw three photos of her because she didn't like pictures being taken back then or something. I remember one was on a horse and one like a school yearbook or something, but like pictures of her don't really exist because she would not allow it. Jeez. So it was some kind of insecurity thing. Yeah, I, uh, and then some. Yeah, that, so that's it was to a say physical the least. insecurity of her. 
yeah. of her appearance or whatever was going through her mind, but also she likes to be the caretaker in the I don't want to say behind the scenes leader. Um, the head. Yeah. The top dog. Yeah. Because obviously in her family she was the top dog or our family top dog, but yeah. So, I mean, you're growing up through this, and mm -hmm. I mean, I would call it abusive. Yeah, and I didn't know that it was abusive. I thought this yeah. was all normal because to, to an extent. I mean, it's not the worst thing mm -hmm. anyone's ever gone through, obviously. But I, I, I think there's something, I mean, just emotionally abusive about not letting you develop friendships, pushing you to do things you don't want to do. And, you know, it's making up for her own insecurities. And I mean, yeah, that's just really tough. What were your, what were your grades like in high school? High school was a little rough, um, I would say I averaged out a B somehow. Okay. And I mean, they she was mad about them, but okay. it wasn't the worst of it. Like I wasn't getting screamed at for that as okay. much. I would get yelled at, but it wasn't like her top screaming level. Okay. Yeah. So you're in high school. You're you're isolated. Yeah, because I now have, that I'm you more still conscious. Developed a lot of friendships. Nope. Because after the one girl who we. We're not allowed to talk to each other in seventh grade. Okay. From seventh to ten, I literally had nobody and bouncing around schools. And I remember the girl from that. This That's a very fragile school. age, too. She told me, she's like, well, if you don't like where you live, you can always, like, move out. And this was from the fifth grade or something. Yeah. And that hurt. What That sentence, like, always stuck to me when she told me. I'm like, oh, I just have to make it till I'm 18. Then I can go buy a apartment somewhere. Yeah. And then I was very depressed ninth grade going forward, maybe even seventh grade. I just remember yeah. I was like 10, 11, and I'm like, I was Googling things, how to move out, what to do with finances, just trying to like self-educate myself to prepare for when I'm 18, I'm moving out. You're and researching that was my goal. in early high school. Yeah. About moving out on your own. Yes. And I just, I remember like sitting at the computer, looking at houses, like obviously what I was doing, not the best plan, but I'm like, okay, maybe if I do this and save up money here. Yeah. Then, and when I was 14, I ended up working at uh, a restaurant right next to their office. Mm -hmm. So when they would go into the office, I would just walk over literally next door because I knew the owners and I would bust tables, fill the drinks. So I started working at a restaurant. I it wasn't a lot. At 14 or 15? Yeah, I would only do like two or three hours under the table. Yeah. But, you know, 10 bucks an hour added up over time. And I was very conscious about my money, and I was like, I'm saving every dollar of it. But you're <laughs> like, what? what's strange about that is, mm -hmm. I mean, most kids are like, okay, I want to get a car or mm -hmm. I want to buy clothes. You're like... I mean, it kind of sounds like you're saving to move out. Yeah, that as was soon as you can. Thing. And I didn't want like because they were providing food, housing. I didn't really pay for anything at this yeah, point because I'm yeah. still a kid. But I'm like, I want my own money. So even if I say no to moving out, I'm yeah. just going to go, whether it's buy a uh, car or buy an apartment or do something. I mean, that's a, I think a lot of people wouldn't be able to relate with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of a, a heavy thing now that you're thinking about it. Like, 
like a freshman in high school, you should be saving money to go to the movies. Or, mm-hmm. Man. Well, the thing is, I didn't. I wasn't allowed to go to the movies, and there was one situation. You you, you weren't allowed. Not, I mean, I could go with her, my dad, my, but not like go to the movies with friends if friends. I had them. And there was during one homeschool group. There, is this through high school? Oh, this is my whole life. I wasn't allowed to go to the movies. So this one high school group invited everyone. It wasn't just me. Like, parents were allowed to go, too, because, yeah. like, homeschool high school kids, I guess, everyone's a helicopter parent, but not to my mom's extreme. So <laughs> it was a kid's animated movie. Yeah. And we get to the movie theater. My mom obviously was going to stay the whole time while yeah. we go to the movies. And there were a lot of people, because I guess all the homeschool kids were coming on this particular day. Yeah. And she said, it's too dangerous here. We need to go. And I was like, what do you mean we have to go? We just, because we lived in the country with the horses. So we just drove 35 minutes to the movie theater. We show up. We see the homeschool group. I wasn't like buddy-buddy with the people there, but I was in the same homeschool class with them. So I knew them. Yeah. So I was very excited because this is like a new thing for me. And I'm like 15 now. And she says, nope, we're leaving. So we get to the movie theater and then we go back home. And it was just, I guess, too crowded. So it was too dangerous. I didn't understand the whole context. But I was like, what do you mean? And the other mothers even were like, why are you going to leave? And she's like, this is too stressful. This is too much for my kids. We need to go. So she's projecting Mm -hmm. her own problems and her own issues onto you mm-hmm. and then depriving you of simple things like a little social time, mm-hmm. a little fun, like a little yeah. normal kid fun. Yeah. Wow. And then, so obviously it, there's no boyfriends. I mean, if there's no movies, yeah, there's no, no boyfriends. There were no boyfriends, not even one of those, you know, we dated for two weeks in middle school, hold hands type situations. My first boyfriend Nothing. was when I was 16 online. Okay. So, so I mean- it was online you can in person you you definitely weren't. No, there was because I wouldn't be able to hang out with him or anything and I was depressed. I had no romantic yeah. feelings. I had no want or motivation to even make a regular friend and so I didn't think of boyfriends. But I met this really cool person in tenth grade when I went to a private school. And even still to this day we're good friends. But okay. I was at this one particular school for one year and she was there. And I wasn't allowed to have any kind of social media, um, Facebook, Twitter, anything like that was a no. And my mom was like, they can steal your information. You can get kidnapped. They can see a picture of you. Yeah. Like the chances of getting kidnapped from the Facebook, probably not. Like there's a lot of bullying. I mean, a little, little online safety. I can, I don't think that's too strange, but I mean. Like another instance was. At one of our auto practices, Mm -hmm. um, me and my sister were in line with the group and the guy they're talking about, we are going to make cartoons for everyone. So to get the app to make the cartoon, you need a Facebook. And I said, oh, I don't have Facebook. I'm not allowed. They're like, what I want, we can make one. And then you don't have to use your name. You don't have to go on it ever. We're just going to make an account for you. Okay. So you can have the app and we can make the cartoon thing. A little sneaky Facebook. So... It was not in my real name. Okay. I never logged on to it because I also have a guilty conscience. I'm like, I can't do this behind her back. Okay. So. Is, was it a guilty conscience or was it fear? Both. But anyways, yeah. So 
Facebook was made, again, never went on it, not in my row name. I'm like, okay, this doesn't really count because yeah. it's just to make the stupid little cartoon. Yeah. Fast forward one month, cartoons made, it was all good, whatever. I f- completely forget it ever happened, like the Facebook count. Because yeah. it was like minor. My sister got mad at me for something. She tells my mom that I have a Facebook. My mom took away my laptop for about two weeks. Yeah. And I told her, I'm like, I promise you, I never went on. It was not even in my real name. Yeah. And she's like, you disobeyed me, and this is what you get. And then... So the boyfriend the boyfriend you met online... Yeah, so then after that... I, I mean, that was... That had to be sneaky. Yeah, it definitely was sneaky, and I would say the boyfriend happened about two years after that incident. Yeah. And the girl from school, from high school, like, we'll just call her ex. Yeah. Um, X introduced me to like Skype in this one video game. Okay. And she's like, well, like an online video game. Like an online game. Yeah. Yeah. And like nothing bad, just a stupid little game. And she wanted to stay friends after we both parted from the school. So she's like, we call each other and Skype and stuff. I'm like, okay. Now, again, I'm not allowed to have it, but I'm like, I really want to hang out with her, but I can't. Like, I probably was able to see her once every two months. Oh, jeez. But, like, it was very little. Because at that point, now I'm 16, so I'm able to go to her house for a couple hours and then get picked up. But I'm like, it's something, and I appreciated it at, once at every 16, two months. At 16, that's incredibly restrictive. So we would Skype her, but then she put me in this, like, group of some people all over the U.S. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, like, the coolest thing ever, like... I could just talk to people. And even though they're strangers, we're having some cool conversation. Yeah. And it was mostly just dumb video game related things from high school students, college students. Did your mom know about this? No, this was all at 10 p.m. under the covers. Very, very sneaky. So this is sneaky. Yeah, sneaky, this is my sneaky. first uh, act of rebellion. So this one particular guy, I really liked his personality. And we yeah. started now just talking one-on-one and not only during the video game session with, like, all the other 10 people. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, if we were in person or something, we would date. So I guess we casually dated. Just online. 16 to 17. Okay. I wouldn't call myself very serious. I'm like, okay, he's cute. We talk. Yeah. And that's basically it. That's about it. Okay. Um, And then when I was 17, him and his family came to Florida from Illinois. For vacation. So he's from Illinois. Yes. Okay. So I was like, oh my gosh, I want to meet you. But how am I going to meet you? And he knew about my parents because this is now because I have Skype up in my my room running just to talk to people. They heard all the yelling. Like all these people online, they were like, this is not normal, the amount of yelling that goes on in your house. And I'm like, what do you mean? Oh, so they can hear your parents arguing or screaming. My parent, mom and dad yelling at each other or mom and dad yelling at me type of thing. And because they wouldn't yell in front of other people if we had a guest in the house or when we were in public. Okay. It was always more of a behind the scenes yelling type of thing because they want to look good in front of other people. I mean, was there just a lot of that growing up? A lot? Yeah. But again, I thought this all perfectly normal. Every night people yelling at each other. This is how every family goes. And then they're telling Every me night now people on yelling Skype, at each like other. these strange high schoolers from across the U.S. They're like, yeah. "This is not normal," and I'm like, "I was so confused." So yeah. 
then was that one of your first little inklings at that was yeah that was my first thing where you're like hmm maybe something is a little fucked up with this yeah like i didn't know what exactly it was but this was my first sign of me questioning it so now this guy and his family come to florida so i was like that had to be exciting it was very exciting but i was very nervous because i've never snuck out of my house like even though i couldn't see people I just would suffer from being literally alone in the house, homeschooled, and having the horses Jeez. and doing things too. Okay, I'm going to do this once, and it's going to be fine. I don't think he's a murder or anything from online. So I said I would get dropped off at X's house for my three hour, four hours. I would usually be at her house between like three to five hours. Yeah. Like it was a little bit less than half a day. And then my mom would come pick me up. So I got dropped off at her house, and she knew the plan. X was like, okay, so you can get dropped off at my house, and he can come pick you up. Okay. So me and him, we went to the like beach. A little for, secret. Yeah, secret. It was my first date, first time in anything with a guy. So I was like, okay. interesting. It went pretty well. Like, yeah. went out to brunch, walked by the beach. Wow. And then got picked up. My mom knew nothing about it. The only people who knew, I guess, were this online friend group and X. Were you, like, sweating it out? I mean, I was definitely like thinking like, you're gonna get caught afterwards. Well, during the whole brunch thing, because we were still in the same city as her, like Uh-oh. chances were yeah. she's probably not going to this exact brunch place. But I'm like very anxious, like she could show up any time and like murder us both. Oh my god! But I'm like, hey, well, I'm what? Sh- what would she have done? She probably would have started screaming and taken me out of there, and maybe called the cops. Like I didn't know what was going to happen. At, I'm like, at I don't seventeen. Yeah. Um, and I think you kind of struck on something there, like, oh, he's not a murderer, mm-hmm. you know, that I guess, uh, being naive, mm-hmm. I mean, to this point, 17, 18, you're probably a lot more naive than the average. Yeah. Cause I was very isolated. And while most people have little chances and they have small little yeah. events that build up to big things, I just kind of get pushed into them and I take it as yeah. life brings it. But, I mean, that's 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 an important thing because a lot of kids, like you said, you get incremental freedom mm-hmm. that allows you to kind of build up your your fucking your senses, your um, you know, your your danger, what what to do, what not to do, and you kind of get these incremental, bigger and bigger doses of freedom as you grow up, mm-hmm. and that's what by the time you are eighteen, that you're prepared for it. You're you're as prepared as yeah. you can be, but you know, 16, 17, like kids that age should be kind of doing their own thing mm-hmm. under the watch of their parents. Mm-hmm. Like that's what a parent's there for to like guide you a little bit, and nudge you back on the right path at that point. So you should be practicing your independence. Mm-hmm, but the thing was, I was age. not allowed to be independent and I'm, I don't consider myself a rebel from up until 16. Like, I didn't really step outside the lines because I was too afraid to. And I didn't want to push the boundaries. I'm like, honestly, I just wanted to be a good kid. And then when I was 16, I was just so frustrated and I just wanted to go. So I'm like, So your first act of rebellion was like over a boy. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm already depressed. Yeah. I already kind of, I wasn't ever suicidal because I've always been optimistic. But I'm like, I already don't want to be here. So literally anywhere could be better than here. So I'll just do it. What was the um? What was the depression like? Was it just 
like an overall sadness? Was it like, did it, was it physically taking you over where your body just felt tired, worn out? Like, what was that? My depression kept me to myself. I didn't, after not being, after not having the chance to talk to people when I was younger, I decided it was more of an internal breakdown that was crumbling for many years. So I started, my motivation dropped. Yeah. And then I think my moods were very heavy. Everything I did costed 10 times more effort. Yeah. Whether it was to go ride the horse, to go vacuum the house, like it just made everything harder to do. But I'm like, hey, I just got to do it. You're just kind of plugging through. Yeah. You're not, you know, a normal energetic teenager Mm -hmm. excited for the the future, excited to meet up with her friends or excited to go to school. Like the depression definitely heavily weighed into school because I didn't want to do the work. So I was just taking it as I it and I didn't want to reach out to anybody. And I didn't know I could like talk to someone at school. Maybe something would change. But also at school, some of the other people that briefly knew my mom was like, you have a great life. So I'm like, they're not going to understand and I don't know if I should share this with them. So yeah. I didn't do anything about it. And, and that's kind of tough. I mean, because from the outside, I mean, things look really great. Mm-hmm. You got, you live in a nice house. You got horses, your own horses. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds like a dream. You know, wealthy family. But under the surface, there's pressure, depression, um, you know, you're not learning the skills you need to be a successful adult. And I mean, mm-hmm. when we look at parenting, really the the grand point of parenting is to make a successful adult. Mm-hmm. You know, you raise a kid, hopefully they learn all the skills and everything they can while they're with you. And then you get to see them go out in the world and hopefully be happy and functioning and just kind of living in the world and it and it seems like your mother your adopted mother is raising you for her and for basically instead of what she could give you to go out in the world it's what could you give her yeah it felt like she was trying to fill a void in her soul that she was never able to get yeah and I was more of just a vessel to carry out actions and different things to make her feel better. Did you ever get a sense that she, I mean, did it ever just strike you like she doesn't give a shit about me? Or I did not know that until I was about 18, 19. You couldn't. I just, I was unaware. You thought parents were just maybe like that. Yeah, I thought parents were like that. And it wasn't until... I was the older teen when I started realizing that after. So back to the guy who I dated online and met one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we kind of sidetracked from that. That's all good. But I was 17. This is like the summer of 17 before I turned 18 in the yeah. winter. Yeah. I saved up about $5,000 from all these side restaurant hours. Oh, geez. Because I didn't spend any money. I was like, well, you weren't you weren't yeah. going out anywhere. I was going out. I didn't have to buy food or pay rent or anything, so I just. And did you care about clothes or fashion or any of that? Not really. Like any kind of 
standard clothes she would buy. Yeah. Like when it came to material items, as long as she approved of it, you can have it. I wanted the newest saddle. Sure, that's no problem. Okay. Um, this really cool toy, remote control car. Sure, you can have it. So long as she approved of it, I could get it. But I wasn't very greedy in that way because I really have no want for this stuff. So I didn't ask for it. Yeah. So I was paid under the table because I was like illegally working in these restaurants, mom and pop. Yeah. So it was literally all in a drawer, about five grand. And when I was 18, the plan is now to buy an apartment in the city I was in or just buy a car and go from there just to get away and drive somewhere. I don't care where. You, you would it was gonna be one of the two you would cars. still be in high school when you turned 18 um I've technically should have graduated but I was doing a homeschool slash dual and rogue course at the local college oh, so I was God. doing one like history course at this homeschool place okay and I'd go just like once or twice a week do the class for two hours and come back home yeah but then for the State college class. I was enrolled in college courses with college people. Yeah. And I did about 27 credits, but I was failing miserably. Oh, like 1.7 GPA. It was horrible. Yeah. Um, but they didn't know about that because I just didn't talk about it. No. And uh, so, so that's where I was in terms of school. I didn't have a GED. I didn't have high school diploma, but I was doing college work because they wanted me to get my GED. No, they wanted me to get my AA degree the same time I finished high school when I was 19. Okay. Because they said that would be better for me because knock them both out with one stone, which I guess in theory it is. Yeah, yeah. They didn't know about my alternative plans because I couldn't talk to them about moving out because I wasn't allowed to. Your secret runaway plan. Yeah, so, and I do feel like because I was not able to talk to her, Mm-hmm. I would get a no or a screamed at. My default from 15, 16 year olds was just, just don't talk it. about it because hide it. it's not getting anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. So, summer of 17, I have money saved and I'm just going to keep working these restaurants because I was only doing a couple hours a week, but it all added up. Yeah. So, I was getting like 10 bucks an hour, but I was still riding and I was still racing cars. And even though I was racing cars and a professional, I had my racing license at the time. I was not allowed to drive a regular commuter car, and people were very confused of that. Like did on the you race have team, a driver's license? I did not. I didn't get my driver's license until I was 19 or 20. And Whoa. The people on the race team, my well, coaches. You, you just weren't allowed. I wasn't allowed. Wow. And I wasn't allowed to drive with most adults, unless my parents knew you like but really well. But you're racing. Yeah. I was on a karting team to do F2000. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I was doing really well. I mean, that takes a lot of... Motor skills or yeah, no, know, I literally driving had to, skills. So when I was doing the racing and I was homeschooled, because if I was in a school, I would just go after school. But if I was in school, I would be dropped off at like 10 a.m. and have my lessons till like 4 p.m. a couple times a week. So this is racing. Yes, karting. How did how did that come? Was that something dad, you wanted to do? My dad was super into NASCAR growing up. I did not care about NASCAR, but he was a scorer at a local track. Okay. And sometimes he would take me and I would just watch the races, but I had no interest in doing it. Okay. And then um, one of his coworkers from that racetrack said, you should get involved in something open wheel. I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah. So we ended up going to this open wheel karting track yeah. and I did the rental carts really. I thought that was so fun. 
And then I started doing the local competition, like citywide and then state. And then I started doing the lessons into international. So that I did, sounds kind so of awesome. That's how the whole process yeah. built up from start to getting on the team and racing competitively. Wow. But my teachers, they always they were like, so you're racing at international level and the next season you'll be in a big car. Yeah. Not just a car anymore, but yeah. a car that most people, like they don't let you drive it unless you have a background. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, He said, why aren't you allowed to drive a regular car? And now they let me drive their car around the track and stuff and around like the little stuff, but like yeah. not on the road because it was legal. Yeah. But. I was like, well, my mom doesn't really let me do anything, you know. And yeah. he's like, well, because he kind of got it. But also at the same time, he's like, you've been doing this professionally. You can't ride, drive the cart yeah. or the regular car. So that's how I differ to people. Racing on a track is for sport. Yeah. Driving a car on the road is for independence. Yeah. So those were why the reasons why I wasn't allowed to do it. Because my mom wanted me to depend on her. Oh, yeah. I wasn't allowed to be independent. And that seems to be... That's you know, the recurrent case around here. Yeah, that seems to be kind of a bit of a theme. Mm-hmm. Is you know, I guess uh, they talk about narcissism a lot, where mm-hmm. it's isolating your kid and then kind of breaking them down, berating mm-hmm. them, keeping them easy to control. She didn't want any rebelliousness. She didn't want disagreements. She didn't want any of that. Yeah, a lot of it's just about was she. She ever nice, or did she ever praise you, or was it more just punishment when you didn't? There was definitely punishment when it did not go well. A hundred percent there across the board for everything. Yeah. In terms of getting praise, I'm trying to think like right now of when I got a good job. I would get a good job, like or at the horse competition, you get first place. Good job, you did it well, but it was very quick. It wasn't big. Yeah. And the thing is, the bads highly outweighed the good. Yeah. And then Just in terms over, of over critical. good memories, I can't think of any good memories from the house growing up. The only good memories I could remember were like going to Disney because for a birthday or something, we would go yeah. and we had the annual pass. Yeah. But that was more of a go up for the day, come back type trip. Yeah. There was not many. There was no yelling at Disney or stuff. It was more just go on the ride and have fun. Jeez. But other than those little things, I can't remember. So, um, tell me about your your big escape. You've been saving your money up. Yeah. So my money was Got going five thousand dollars in get a drawer. some cheap car or apartment. But then my dad got arrested that summer. Oh, geez. I still to this day don't know the full details because they didn't tell me at the time. But they owned a medical testing lab, and there's a lot of paperwork and different documents that are involved yeah some paperwork or document of some sort was mislabeled or misprinted or forged or something like i don't want to say something i just don't know but it's something along the line of the documents yeah so now he's in jail and we don't know for how long and this is like new this literally no one had this coming it was just they came to the office they arrested him and we're like huh what happened um jeez and I think it was like a $10,000 bail that was posted. Okay. Now, even though they have money in the account, my mom did not have access to that money, especially that large of amount, because she would just kind of go out and spend my dad's money. 
Because my dad, he was always the head of the business. Yeah. First, she owned a motel. Now he owns a medical testing lab. Yeah. She didn't have a career. I know she worked as a florist when she was in college, but yeah. when I was alive, she was in and out of a nursing program, did not finish as far as I know, and would just kind of go out, spend the money and type of thing. So, so there was a limit, I guess, on her. Because I don't know they're all their financing, but she did not have access to $10,000 at that time. So I decided because I really, I wanted to do the most I could. And I know money comes and goes. Did she bring this up? I mean, was she saying to you, like, I don't have the money to get your dad out of jail? Is she well, first saying she was this? just freaking out. She was calling a lot of people. What should I do? How should I do this? And then... I thought about, I'm like, well, I could help him, but I don't know. I really need to move out. And then yeah. she was like, can I borrow some of your money? And then I just felt really bad and really guilty. And I'm like, this is a very high level sign of urgency that we need it now. Yeah. So I ended up giving them $5,000, literally all of it, just because I'm like, I'll find another way. And I felt like if I didn't do that, I would have felt like really guilty or have something in the back of my mind, like something could have been done, but I didn't so do it. You're giving, so I did it. you're giving what you think is mm -hmm. you're giving them $5,000 to get mm -hmm. your dad out of jail. Yeah. Your parents who are very wealthy. I mean, do you got you know, I, how many horses? Uh, we had six horses, all 20 to $40,000. Like I just, you have six horses, but you need to give your mom $5,000. Now, did they ever pay that back? They never gave it to me like that, no. But I'm not asking for it because money's money. I don't care about no, it. No, but, but something's weird about that. Like, she just, I mean, if she knew your plan, mm -hmm. do you think maybe no, she, knew she my plan. just there didn't would be a want you to have cash? I don't know. I think it was just a sign of urgency. We need it now. Yeah, but I mean, so obviously they they had to have mm -hmm. five thousand. I don't know if she couldn't get their, into a bank account. But afterwards, but I have no idea. That's crazy. So yeah, because remember they don't share any detail of their stuff with me. So I just kind of guess and hope and assume and like if I borrowed it. if I borrowed money from my kid and, mm -hmm. and I had it. I mean, they obviously had, they weren't struggling mm -hmm. financially, right? No, I mean, they were not from what they you could fine. see. Yeah. Like how fucking weird. Like I couldn't imagine not. I just assume maybe cause all the bank accounts and all the income was under his name and he can't get to it. She can't get but to it. But he was out of jail. You bailed him out. Well, yeah, after, so he was in jail for a week and then he came out and then, I don't know what happened. Did he know that you lent him money? Or? Yeah. Hmm. So now back to the plan of leaving. I tell this guy from Illinois, I'm like, well, I had money. Now it's gone. And he, I told him the whole situation. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay, I really want you to get out of that situation. So yeah. what if I buy you a plane ticket two days after your birthday and you fly up to Illinois and I'm like, let me think about it. So I spent like two weeks thinking about it or however long. And I'm like, to my friend X, I was like, 
should I do this? I don't know how this is going to go. I've never yeah. really, I've met him once. I've never been to Illinois. I've never really left the house. Should I do this? You weren't missing much. So <laughs> she's like, well, just let me know what your plan is. Cause we're young. She's like, well, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. So I guess it was October. It wasn't too far below. I'm like, okay, yeah. let's go with that. And then I ended so this up. This is your plan to escape. Yeah. And I ended up getting $100 from my neighbor because I was helping him with his tractor. Okay. So now I have $100 to move out. So I told X, I said, Did you ever ask your parents for that five grand? I, you never brought it up? You were never like, hey, about that five grand? I didn't I, care at this point. Really? I don't know if it was a depression this is or your, anything. This is your but, plan, though. You've been... You've been making this as as a plan since you were 14. Mm -hmm. Working little jobs and just literally stuffing it in a drawer, not buying anything, not spending it on anything, just to get out. So if you wanted to get out, you would have your own money. And you just... I guess maybe I was too uh, afraid to ask them. Yeah. Or they would... Well, they... At one point, they did say, like, oh, we'll put it to your college or something. And I just didn't no. care about college. So I'm like, whatever. Hmm. So yeah, I accepted the plane ticket from him. And so the new plan is now they hired like an Uber driver from my house to the airport. And he did pay for the Uber and the plane ticket. And then I had $100 and I had literally a suitcase, a little bag and a backpack. Yeah. And that's what I left with to Illinois. Jeez. I got on the plane. And nobody knew. I told X, but she didn't think I was serious. She's like, you're not very gutsy. You've never done anything Nobody like in this. your family knew. No, no one in my family. And what I did was I wrote like a three-page handwritten note, put it behind a picture because I didn't want them to see it and then like go to the airport and then stop me. So I put on my desk, we'll call soon. Uh, don't worry. Something like that, like two little sentences. And then put the big note behind the table. And, and then I was like, I was going to tell them after I got to Illinois that the big note is there in case they were like to cut me off or anything. And that note yeah. like explained like everything. Yeah. So I'm on the plane. Obviously you silence your phone. This is two days. Yeah. I just after turned, you turned 18. 18. Cause I didn't wow. want to do it when I was younger because I didn't want any legal complications. And also remember, I don't really <laughs> have any forethought into that. I don't have yeah. any, uh, real, I have my state ID and then I scoured oh, yeah. the house for my social security card. So that's my only like form of identification. Jeez. So I was just kind of hoping like that would get me something once I move out. Cause obviously yeah. I didn't want to get a job once I move out. Yeah. So I land and then I'm still on the plane. And that's when we're stopped, you know, waiting that 30 minutes to get off the plane. Turn on my phone. I'm not kidding. A hundred missed calls slash text messages. They're all blowing it up. They're like, where are you? And like, at this point, I was only gone for like six hours or something. Cause it's like a three hour Jeez. plane ride there. I got there an hour before. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was gone for a full day or anything. Yeah. And how I did this was because she went out shopping. My sister was at school. So that's when I'm like, okay, now the time to like eat it. And she kind of went on like a regular shopping schedule in the afternoon. So I yeah. knew like, I'm like, she's probably going to be out. And that's like my three hours of home alone time so we'll probably do the uber right now you you had this down to a science yeah you're like you're like andy dufresne <laughs> in the shawshank redemption with this so i check my phone and i'm like i kind of assumed this was going to happen yeah um 
But I'm reading all these text messages, and I still have all these texts to this day just because I almost got a restraining order on her, but oh, wow. I thought it was going to have to be a whole legal case. But she was like, call, call, call. Where are you? Are you okay? Did you get kidnapped? We called X. We talked to her parents. Like, I'm reading all these text messages, and I'm like, oh, God, this is more dramatic than I thought. Yeah. And then one of them said, we called the FBI. And I'm like, huh? So I ended we up calling her FBI. back, and she's screaming on the phone. And I'm on the plane, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm like... She's telling me how my dad's on the floor having a heart attack. The police were at the house. And the police were at the house because I had to speak to one of the officers. Oh, jeez. Um, the FBI were called because apparently there could have been a kidnapping. I said, no, I willingly left. I'm an adult. I can do this. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to wait till I was 18 because I didn't want the whole thing when I was 16 or 17 to play out. I got you. So during this airport thing, I'm just trying to, like, say I'm here. I should have just hung up on them. Yeah. But— I didn't know better. I just you're on I the felt, plane. I felt obligated that I had to talk to her and yeah. everybody, and then my dad's like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah. But it was mostly he's just his concern was, "Are you okay?" Her concern was, "Why are you doing this? You're rebelling. You're a terrible person. You're going to you're hurting me." Yeah, and it that's, was basically that's what she's saying. She's saying you're, you're hurting, hurting me. And she's like, "I need you home." Why are you hurting me? And the, now yeah. the whole thing is, you can't survive without me. Yeah. And you can't get a job. No one's going to hire you. And then she called me it's a mail order bride and all of that. A so, mail order bride? Yeah, that was in one of the text messages. How does so, that make sense? I guess it's because I ran away with the guy I met online. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> As teenagers. So then he picked me up from the airport. We went back to his apartment. Yeah. I was very... Are like, you anxious? Shock. Oh, I was like crying the whole time. Like... Just breaking down dread it was just, just like full of dread it wasn't more dread it was more everything is new yeah. like this is an extremely new situation for me to be in like moving out of the house but mo running away but also a new state but also people i don't know and no one knows like there was a lot of well it's the independence i mean that's mm -hmm. like you went from nothing to literally everything <laughs> to everything like in like went three from hours. no boyfriend. Yeah, in three hours. Yeah. You go from not even having like practice boyfriends. No, there was a, no practice. To like literally you're moving in. Yeah, second day meeting him, we just with a moved dude in from the internet. And it was scary. And yeah. their ex was like, you know, be careful. Yeah. We don't know. But she from all the other internet friends who were around the eighteen year old, they're like, He's probably fine. He's not yeah. gonna murder you. Yeah. He's just another 18-year-old trying to help you. Yeah. But yeah, so in Illinois, the first three days, I did not leave the room. I was very in shock. Yeah. Just crying. I did not eat for three days. I just, my body wasn't functioning because of everything that happened. And then after the week, That's like I started. a huge change. I mean, wow. Mm -hmm. After a week, I started like walking around. But the weird thing was two cops from the state school that he was going to. Mm -hmm. Or... It might have been like three times, but anyways, they came and they knocked on our door and they were like, are you okay? We got calls and apparently you're the girl and this is the guy. We got to make sure you're safe. And I'm like, yeah. And they looked around the apartment and looked normal. They're like, okay, we're good. Bye. So yeah, the police literally knocked on the door to do checkups. Was this from your mom maybe? Yeah. Did you tell her where you were staying? I did not tell her the city. I did not tell her anything. I remember... When she was on the phone with X, and this was when I was on the plane, so I didn't overhear the conversation, but my mom was yelling at X and her mom. Okay. And 
obviously her mom didn't know anything. Yeah. But she was like, how could you let her do this? Yeah. I thought you were a friend. You would have prevented it. And X just started crying. Like, we're just kids. When she, yeah. X knew about my situation, so she wanted me out. Hmm. And then my mom was threatening her parents with the cops and the FBI. And her yeah. mom's like, what are you talking about? So, yeah. So, I'm guessing my mom sent the cops up there. I think they wanted us to either get arrested or me to get sent back. But they found, like... Nothing looks super fishy. You're not hostage, so they let it be. Well, yeah, you're an adult. Yeah. You could do whatever you want at that point. So you live up there, and, I mean, you got to get, you know, a job. You got to mm -hmm. find a way to make money. And now you're in a, a relationship. Mm -hmm. And how how did the, how did that feel? Was it, was it? It was it's freedom, but it's responsibility. It's freedom, but it's responsibility, right? And the responsibility part was, I guess, one of the easier parts because when I was living at home, I was still in charge of like every single chore. And that's what my grandpa would call me Cinderella because I was still in charge of the barn. Okay, I still had to yeah. do like the mopping, the vacuuming. Like I had an hour of the chores every day. But so you were, so, you were used to the hard work. The hard work part was easy. And yeah. basically, the whole being pushed for sports. Translated into the job, and since I already worked restaurant jobs, luckily I got my social security card when I was digging around the house for it. Yeah. Because I just ended up becoming a server for that one year in Illinois, working literally 50 hours a week, because I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I don't have much plan in life. I'm just going to work and make money and save it. I opened my own like little bank account with the state thing on my own. Just I didn't really spend it, because at first I didn't have any real friends. Yeah. And... Me and the boyfriend at the time, we would, like, go to the movies, go on walks. But we didn't yeah. do anything, like, super expensive or crazy. It was just little local things. Yeah. And then it was really cool being, like, it was my first time in my life where I felt like a community. Yeah. Because a bunch of the people in the restaurant, they were all the same age as me, college students there, even though I was in college. Yeah. But since I was working, like, all the shifts that I could, I met a lot of people. Yeah. And then they invited me to, like, go to their house. And I didn't have a car, but it was a college town, so I could just walk over and everyone lived within a mile or two of each other. Yeah. So I would just walk to their house, play some board games. I went to some parties. Like, they were all very low-key parties, nothing crazy, maybe like 15 people. Did, but I'm did like, you this try is drinking crazy. for the first time? I tried drinking a little bit. Okay. I never got, I never got super drunk or anything, but yeah. I'm like, oh, this isn't bad. Like, just relaxing. And now this is like my first time being like a kid slash young adult. Yeah. And it was very enjoyable in that sense. Uh, like having the community, having the friends, being able like to the go to freedom, their house. Relationships. I love that part. Friends. Even though it was an ugly town in a state that was foreign to me, I'm like, this is like the dream. Yeah. Which if someone was to look at it, be like, you want a corn town or you could have had like Florida, which was beautiful. I'm like, the corn town was like so much better. <laughs> yeah. But I'm I'm from Illinois. Mm -hmm. it's, it's funny. <laughs> I'm uh, recovering. From Covering Illinois. from the Illinois gray. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But even though I was still having like a really good time making my first like community friend where I could just yeah. go to their house and chill with them, it was also like I had a lot of guilt and a lot of pent up emotion in me. Mm -hmm. So I sometimes would just go on walks and I would cry. Yeah. Because I felt guilty for leaving. No. And I was trying to talk to my parents a little bit. So I'm like, okay, now that they can't yell at me, now I can hang up, which is nice. So if she's yelling too much, there's always the end of the call button. 
So yeah. I tried calling her and him for mom, dad for a little bit. Yeah. Same thing. She would just yell at me, why'd you go? You're such an ingrateful, really berate me, belittle me, call me very negative words. Yeah. So I'm like, why would I talk to her? Let me just call the office to talk to my dad. Yeah. We did that a couple of times. I just talked to him and I was trying to state how I felt to him for really the first time in my life fully. Mm. One time I called him when she was at the office. Like I didn't know she was at the office and he picked up and I could hear her screaming at him. And she's like, do not call here. You're not allowed to talk to him without me. Jesus. And that's when I stopped communicating with both of them she's for like brick walling a you. couple more months. That's horrible. So that was basically the summary of like Illinois. Like I got my first job and I was still very smart about my money. I'm like, I don't want to just spend on stupid things. I want to build myself a future. And I have a lot of like goals. Seeing yeah. if I didn't know what goals I had, I was in the exploring my options phase. You, you might be the first person ever that ran away to Illinois. Yeah, most people run away from Illinois to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so um, eventually you, you come back to Florida. Yeah, so after sitting down with a friend who I met in the restaurant, yeah. um, I thought she was very intelligent and we were talking about our goals and everything and I'm like, She's like, do you see yourself forever in Illinois? And I'm like, I like it here, but I don't think it's forever because that's the semester is left. Like people would come and go from the restaurant. They just would graduate, leave and yeah. that kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah. there's not much for me to do here. I don't know what I want to do with my life, but this is a very small town. Yeah. And I do want to accomplish something. I don't know what something is. So she's like, where else would you move? I'm like, if anything, I like Florida. I didn't like my house but like florida and fine like yeah scenery and i know the job scene is good there yeah and i'm sure like i'll be able to move here from a bad situation and make friends within a matter of months and i feel i can take that skill and apply that wherever city i move to in the country or the world yeah now you've adapted a little bit so into, now talking, you've, yeah. you've caught up to i guess your peers mm -hmm. and then me and the boyfriend at the time we broke up we did had very different lifestyles and we had different goals, so it did not work out. Yeah. So when I was talking to her, she's like, maybe you should move back to Florida. Not for family or anything, just to go to a bigger city now. Yeah. And try to start finding myself a real job. Because she was like, do you want to work in a restaurant for the rest of your life? And I said, no, I don't. I want something else. And she's like, well, in Illinois, in this town, unless you have a degree, it's your only option is the restaurant. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, I don't want that forever. Yeah. So I ended up flying back to Florida. Okay. I met up with X and we were exploring two different little cities in Florida. And I interviewed for two like marketing type jobs just to feel it out. And I'm like, I don't know what I want. And I was with X for about three or four days. She's like, you could stay with me for as long as you need. Don't worry. I'm here for you. But I'm Does like, your mom know you're back? She did not know I'm back. She didn't okay. know I was coming back. Because after the whole situation, I mean, this is a year later, too. Yeah, I was in Illinois for about a year. Okay. X was like, you could stay here. I'm like, the thing is, like, I love you, but I really want to have my own place or do my own thing. Like, I don't want to stay in the town I grew up in. I want to go somewhere else. Just not sure where. Yeah. And then I'm like, I felt bad and still guilty. And I felt like I left on extremely bad terms. So. Yeah. What if I contact my parents and meet for an hour or two, have a 
restaurant sit down and see if you can patch it up. My friend make some not kind of perfect, salvage some like, kind of relationship. So she's like, "Are you sure?" And I'm like, "Yeah, why not?" I don't think I thought this part through because this was more of a once I moved back to Florida because my original situation was not going to talk to them at all. But I'm like, "Yeah, while I'm here, I'll do it." So I called. I either called or texted, and I just said, "I'm in the town." I'm only going to be here for like a day or two. If you want to sit down, we can. Okay. We all met at this restaurant because X dropped me off. And she's like, it was very awkward. It was just me, my mom, and my dad, I think. I don't think my sister was there. Okay. But maybe she was. I don't remember. But it was the most awkward conversation, most tensioned conversation slash sit down with anyone I've ever had in my life. Do you think she was trying to play nice? I think she was trying to play nice. I, because that tension. Mm-hmm. I mean, from what you described growing up, it was it was yelling, it was screaming, mm-hmm. it was well, you do what down, I want. No one was yelling. No, it was also in a public place. But but she was, also didn't have any power. Yeah, at that point, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't. She can't tell you what to do, and you you kind of proved that. Mm-hmm. But you know that tension. Like I can almost I can almost visualize like maybe trying to play nice, maybe biting her tongue a little mm-hmm. and trying to maybe find a way to manipulate or to get back in or to get you to do what she wants again. Yeah. What I gathered from them was like, okay, we didn't communicate well. We didn't have an understanding. Let's try it again. Okay. And from that, I'm like, okay, I had hope. I'm like, yeah. Now that all this year has happened, maybe this could be good again. I've heard stories where you just got to leave, come back, and maybe this is that situation. Mm. So I agreed to move in with them for an unspecified amount of time. I said, oh, we'll try it. Let's see how it goes. And they're like, okay. This is at the restaurant. Yeah, this is at you the restaurant. decided. So then we went was... back to X's house, picked up my two suitcases, went back to their parents' house. Um... I was very uneasy there. I just kind of, you know, kept in my house myself. So try to make it like normal, you know, make my breakfast, go outside. At this point, they gave the horses to the old trainer who actually moved. Yeah. So we don't have any horses at this point. Because I was like the only one involved with the horses. Um, so that that time you moved back, I mean, just generally, how did that go? Did she it fall was, back into control? And- yeah. So it started with a lot of hope for me. And I'm like, okay, I could finally maybe have a family that I always wanted. Okay. And then as the days went on, it wasn't even months, it was days. The dream shattered. Um, I ended up getting like a job at a restaurant. So they would still drop me off at this new restaurant job. Because I still want you to like make my own money. License. No, I don't have a driver's license at this point. And... I did get bullied a little bit because now I'm like 19, almost 20 or something like that. And yeah. they're like, why is she dropping you off? I'm like, well, I don't have a driver's license and I'm not allowed to drive. And now they just think I'm a sheltered kid. Yeah. They, I didn't tell anyone out this particular restaurant about the whole past year because I didn't know them. That was a lot of effort. I just kind of served my tables, was yeah. quiet, left. So that was like the why only thing I was you doing. Get a driver's license? Just didn't care to. Well, I ended up getting it in the same little couple months time period. Okay. Okay. So I still, okay. The only time I was let out of the house still was to go work this restaurant. 
But now I have like actual shifts and I was working 40 hours a week because I'm an adult now. And now you're, nine, but, you're 19, 20. Yeah, I'm still, in, I wanted to go to a little get together downtown. I saw it like online on some website. It was yeah. for like pop culture or something. And yeah. I'm like, this will be so fun. I asked if I could go and they're like, no. And I'm like, why not? They're like, it's late. It's 9 p.m. You Lots of bad things could happen. Like, this is actually a pretty yeah. safe town. Like, chances are nothing bad's going to happen. And you just lived on your own for yeah, a year. Yeah, where I was with... walking down the street, I was sleeping over at my coworker's house. So. Yeah, and you learned decision-making, and you and learned— nothing bad yeah. happened. No. So she's like, no, you can't go to that. And then I'm like, huh? And then I tried for one other thing, and I got no. Then I called my friend back in Illinois. I said, I think it's happening again. I've been here for like a yeah. month and a half. And I'm getting depressed how I was before. Everything I just overcame in the past year, it's coming back really, really quickly. And I didn't think it would affect me. And if it would, I thought it would take a longer time. Yeah. She's like, get out of there. Yeah. I'm like, okay, how should I do this now? So they always wanted me to go to college. So how I ended up getting out of their house, I was probably there for three or four months. Yeah. And that's, it went really bad for those three or four months. Like, the yelling to me was not as bad because I knew if they started yelling at me bad, I'm dipping. Yeah. So they were still very, very you, protective. You knew you could get out. Yeah, and I knew I would have just called someone and yeah. gotten out as soon as something went bad. So they weren't yelling as much. Still, like, some yelling, but nothing. As, but they were yelling at my sister, like, ten times worse. Yeah. And I said, if you want me to go to college, because I want to try to find, like, a happier, medium, compromise way out. Yeah. So I'm like, I'll enroll two hours away in another college. And they were like, oh, yeah, you should go to college. Yeah. So I ended up enrolling there. And I did pay for my tuition Yeah. at the community college. It was cheaper because it was community. And even though I didn't have a GED or a high school diploma, because I did my one year of dual enroll, they accepted me at the community college. And how I got around up there, they did give me, like, a loaner car, a little Kia for that little bit. Because okay. I got my driver's license literally the week before I got enrolled in this college. But you're living separate. That's the important thing. Yeah, I'm still living separate. So during my year and a half at this college, and I only had to do a year and a half because I had previous college credit. Yeah. I went to class. I still worked my little restaurant job in the other city. And... I was communicating with them, just trying to keep it on neutral terms. It was definitely more negative than neutral. It was more just tolerate each other. Try not to make anything go south too much. But hey, I'm not there. I'm two and a half hours away. They can't really just show up. So nothing too terrible went on in that period. Like, they still, like, got mad. Yeah. But the thing is, I would always, like, I am working. I'm in school. I can't just come down for, like, yeah. that Seems like she's still holding something back, maybe. Yeah, so I only went down to them, and they only came up to me a little bit. I don't know how many times, but it wasn't too many. Yeah. So it got through, and then I had my own college friends and stuff, and I was doing things. So it was fine. I was in the best relationship ever with them, even though it wasn't good. It was just more, like, tolerable because I was not there. And then I graduated from that school. Really good. I got like 3.8 GPA, better than my 1.7 beforehand. Excellent. And then 
for my AA, I went to a state college or state university to finish my bachelor's. Okay. Because the other one, the community college, just to get your AA. They didn't have like bachelor's programs. So I moved again to get my bachelor's. Now, I went down to them, you know, a couple of times, whether it was a holiday or something. We try to speak a few words just so nothing goes bad, and then I leave. It was more yeah. in, see your face, okay, cool, and leave. Yeah. And I didn't want to spend time to their house. If I never had to go to their house, I wouldn't. It was just to, like, maintain a relationship. Not good, just a relationship. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Now I'm in this new college, and I drive down for Thanksgiving. Um. She blows up. Like terrible like screaming like she hasn't done since i was in high school type screaming like lots of screaming yeah and it was because i was telling her in this new college university you know it's a big university yeah. i joined some academic programs i'm doing more of the big university type thing that people do like a party or something she's like you went to a big party wow you're going to get drugged you're going to get all so many different things you can't drink jeez Oh, you joined, and I remember I said, control I joined the, the Asian American group, and yeah. I went to like a couple of their meetings. And now again, I'm only at this big university. The master started, what, August? Now it's only November. Yeah. So I'm very new to this, but uh, making friends there was really easy because it is a big university. Yeah. And she's like, why'd you join the American Asian Society of this? And I'm like, well, because I'm Asian. Like, I want to learn more. And now I'm like, yeah. I want to explore the culture and like it's interesting to see like other Chinese kids there and I like yeah. want to talk to them. Understand. She went all out. She's like, you're not Asian. You're not Chinese. You're American. You're white. Wow. And I'm like, I'm wow, that's kind of Chinese born, but I'm American raised, but there is still a mix in me. Well, yeah. So then she was like, you're not grateful for everything we've done. If you're in China, you would have been a sweat factory or you would have been killed because of your girl and they don't want girls or a single policy, that kind of thing. Yeah. So she was going how ungrateful I am to been adopted. And then she was, I said some other little stuff, like saying that we're very everyday conversation about new things I'm exploring. Yeah. And I wanted to do something in the arts because I really, when I was younger, like writing was a form of escaping and I would just do it as a passion. But I'm like, maybe I want to do like writing more as a career. And she's like, well, that's not going to make you any money. That's, I need you to do something else. Yeah. I'm like, but I really want to do this. And she's like, you don't know what's good for you. I know what's good for you. It's so control. She went, it's that control. Oh. Yeah. And then after that Thanksgiving, something happened. Because I stayed overnight. Um, That was Thanksgiving dinner. Went terrible. No one talked. I get up in the morning and she's like, okay, I thought about it. I need you out of this house. Like, you're not part of this family. Something like clicked. I don't know what. She's like, you're just really ungrateful. Go. So I just, I had no, no, like saying i'm like okay i'm leaving yeah so then after that i went back to the college i talked to some of the friends and i'm like i really just need to cut them out of my life i've tried now for two years after leaving like i it's a toxic toxic relationship and it's a cycle it keeps going yep even though now i'm like she plays nice for a little while and and then goes back fucking oh yeah and they're like yeah you need to get out of this And they were good friends. So they're like, okay, what if, and I was still paying for my school at this point. Mm -hmm. They did help me with the apartment. So they paid for the apartment. I paid for the college class. Yeah. And I'll still, you know, working at a restaurant. 
So I said, I want nothing to do with them. I don't know if this is for now or forever, but I need to fully cut them out and not talk to them. Yeah. So I was still driving their car around. So I said, let's drop that off when they're not home. Just keep it in the driveway and then leave. I'm like, yeah, sure. We'll make it like a little thing. We'll stop by another city, have dinner, go to the beach. I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. So the plan was, it was me and four friends. Me and one friend, one car, two other friends in the other car. We drove down a couple hours to my house. And we have like a gated community, so you needed a passcode. And the other two friends, they got there like five minutes before me. And they called and they're like, what's the gate code? I'm like, um try this code and then i tried they tried the code i'm like okay it's not that it changed i'm uh -oh. like there's a couple other codes just wait for me to get there because i think maybe i had a zapper or something in my car yeah i'm like just i'll be there soon they're like oh wait don't worry we just got in they were only like a minute ahead of us now okay. i'm like okay so i'm gonna let you in sure i'm like now don't go to my parents house because i'm like i gave them the address i'm like just in case she was home because now i don't know her current schedule yeah i'm like just stay like on the road next to it i'm gonna drop off our friend like to your car, yeah. I'll drive it in the driveway and I'll walk back to you. Okay. Just in case. Yeah, we're taking you full a whole precaution. You got a whole plan here. Yeah. Yeah. So they started driving and they're like, they're, this car is like going to your house. And I'm like, is it a white trailblazer? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, uh, oh, yeah, don't like, don't go dun, close to that. Dun, That's my dun. mom. And they're like, yeah, she's not like turning around and circling our way and stuff. And I'm like, just get away from her. That's probably my mom. Yeah. I'm like, just stay away. If anything, drive away. Yeah. And then I get in, and now my mom's uh, the street right next to our house. And she pulls up next to me, because obviously she knows the car. Yeah. And I'm like, I rode down my window. I said, I'm dropping off the car. And then the person who was passenger to me, he got out, went back to the other car. And I'm like, because I didn't want him, like, involved yeah. with what's about to happen. So I go into our driveway. I My whole plan was just to turn the car off, leave the key in the seat, and go. Yeah. Um. Well, she dragged me out of the seat. Um. Like, I parked the car, I turned it off, and I was, like, opening the door. She dragged me out. Oh, jeez. And, like, she, like, choked me. And she was, like, pulling me. And it was, like, the first time she was extremely physically abusive. And, like, she was, like, you need to go talk to your dad and get inside. And I'm, like, no, I'm, I'm just, like, trying to get out of her. I'm not, like, super strong, but, like, I just was trying to get out of her arm. Then she was, like, trying to pull me and, like, put her arm around my neck. Like, I don't think she was trying. She was trying to just, like, drag me in the best she could. Like, I literally, like, slipped out from her arm somehow and, like, ran to the friend's car. Jeez. And then we, like, we drove away. And that was the last interaction I ever had with, like, her, the family, the house, or anything. Jeez. Yeah. It's an intense story. It really is. And that's, um, she just didn't want to let you go. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't for your sake. And that's seems like once again a recurring theme. Mm -hmm. Like it's to this day, all. like after that physical abuse, which was a lot more than the emotional, like the emotional and the words and like the violin with everything that was emotional, mental abuse, was a little bit of physical, but 
the one big physical accident was a lot more than the emotional, which made me like, because I figured maybe I'd go into this thing where I want to contact them again. But no, from then on, like when I think of them, I think of that and I'm like, I can't do that anymore. Well, it it clearly wasn't working either. Mm -hmm. Everything you did to try to patch things up. And then just driving by, like seeing, having the my three friends from college look at her. One of the things he said, well, one of the friends said, he said, seeing her face literally sucked the life out of me of how mean she looks. Jeez. And I'm like, yeah. So, I mean, that was a couple years ago. That was about four and a half, five, yeah, four years ago, something like that. So what kind of, I mean, just from the, the high-pressure childhood, the helicopter parenting, the emotional abuse, what kind of um, lasting effects do you feel like you still like? So for, like, the negative effects, um, when I think back to it in detail, like, giving those two stories, like, I still cry. Yeah. It's, like, hard to relive. Mm. Um, she comes back in dreams. There's been... It's not too often, but maybe once every three months, I get a really intense dream. I'll, like, I'll wake up crying, and the dream is just her yelling at me or choking me or something very bad. It's and like a little PTSD. It's very it intense like. in the dream, and I wake up, and like I'm still shaking. Yeah. And I tried therapy from two different people, a couple sessions. They were like, talk it out, but it wasn't going too many places. And I felt like the most relief I get is just talk it out with like friends versus yeah. a professional. Yeah. What, um, do you ever get like intrusive thoughts? Like, like waking, like while you're awake? Yeah. Like so, where something just washes over you? It usually doesn't happen too randomly unless I'm just really thinking about it. And yeah. now that a bunch of years have passed, I don't just ponder it anymore. I just want to let it go. But yeah. If something were to ask me about it, like I can tell the story vaguely without the details and I'm okay. Yeah. The details make it harder. But well, thank you for sharing those too. I mean little things like if I feel like I'm disappointing someone or from a failure, yeah. then her voice will come in my head like, You're disappointing me, you're not doing well enough, you'll never succeed. And that just it kind of is a broken record in my mind. Yeah. It just goes and goes and I'll be at work. And there was one instance where I broke down at work because I was just feeling a little sick that day. Yeah. And then instead of like telling my boss I need to go home or anything, I just, from a tiny sick, it just was like, if I tell my boss I need to go home, he's going to think I am a failure. He's going to be disappointed. He's never going to, yeah. I'm not dependable. And so from a little thing, those words kept going and I just started crying. And yeah. he was like, what's wrong? I'm like. I just caught started breaking down. He was very not aware of the situation because I don't just tell people this like on the daily. Yeah. But that's, um, you know, a little bit of trauma, mm -hmm. I think. And you're still carrying, I guess, from that abuse, yeah. so to speak. Mm -hmm. You're still carrying that a little bit now. And that's tough. Um, what would you say to someone in a situation like yours or what would you have told yourself back then when you were younger, maybe when you could have spoken to someone about it or. I would say speaking to someone would be step one. Yeah. 
Because I didn't realize that was an option, although I could talk to a school teacher or a coach in depth about the situation and let it out that way and see if there was ways they could step in to help. I just didn't know I could have done that because I was either one, too depressed to reach out or two, yeah. my mom had so much control. I felt fearful to speak out about it when I was young. Yeah. And then I would say, like, if... You can't talk to anyone. Also try to have a good relationship with yourself. Yeah. So you don't resent yourself and hate yourself for outside things that you can't control at all. So really understanding yourself of the action and how this is going. Loving yourself, forgiving yourself. Yeah. And really forgive yourself for whatever's happening at the time. And then it's hard to be optimistic at the time, but like it's not forever. And at one point there'll be like a way out. Yeah. And you're doing well now. Yeah. I, after university, I graduated cum laude, did really well. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm a, I've had a boyfriend for the past year and a half. We're doing well. Yeah. Uh, I have a very stable job. And then I say the most important thing, uh, I have a very good friend group. And I know if anything were to happen, I could rely on them. But even if it's a fun thing, they're always down to go to a concert or something. Yeah. So I'd say that's like the thing that I'm most grateful for right now in my life or supportive yeah. friends. Well, that's awesome to hear. And I mean, you, you seem to be doing great. And um, thank you for sharing that story. I mean, that's a, it's a hell of a story. Um, and I think it was important that you tell it and important for other people that might be experiencing that or even parents you know that are i guess being way too hard on their kids i mean that's Mm -hmm. you want to you want your kids to do well but that's that's a story of just control and expectations and just being way too hard and i wanted to share it and even if i cry i want kids who are in the situation to know they're not alone yeah and that they can overcome it, even though the road to overcome it is very hard. Yeah. And then for people who are outside of it, sometimes they look in and say, you have everything you can want. You have a nice house. You yeah. get any toy you want. Your clothes are good, new. But in reality, like, unless you're seeing the full picture, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the closed door. Yeah, it's not what it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have looked lucky or privileged. Mm-hmm. but in a lot of ways you had so much less than other kids had mm-hmm. as far as love, understanding, support, stuff like that. Well, thank you for sharing your story. Uh, thank you for tuning into the Redacted Podcast. Till next time, take care, stay out of trouble. We'll see you in church.